0: Broadcasting live around the globe from San Antonio, deep in the heart of Texas. This is Paranormal Analytical. I'm your host Eddie Hill, and I will be presenting reports and evidence of some of the most astonishing paranormal claims. I'm joined by my co-host Renee Rodriguez and our director and producer Miguel Cantu. We'll be monitoring the chat room and phone line. We have a fantastic show for you tonight that will open your minds to the infinite possibilities to explain our universe. Get comfortable and prepare yourself for the best paranormal show in the world. This is Paranormal Analytical. and welcome everybody to paranormal analytical the best paranormal show in the world yes i did say that and i would like to welcome everybody to the show we have an incredible awesome special guest tonight that you all are going to enjoy but first i want to introduce my co-host renee rodriguez say hi renee if he's there (laughs) well i don't know if he's there or not can you say hi renee I think Renee's gone. All right. Well, let's say uh, hello to uh, Miguel Cantu, who's my other co host.
1: Yeah, I'm sitting in here next to Eddie in the studio listening live with everyone. And we got a special guest today.
0: Yes, we do. His name is uh, David Oman. And if you all remember some of the prior episodes of Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, and some of these other haunted shows like. Uh, my haunted house and all these other creepy ghost story places you know they always show the omen house because it's one of the most haunted locations in the United States and I say that with a grain of salt because this place is like a party town for hauntings and ghosts I mean there are more things going on in here than you can shake a stick at but I'm going to read you a little bit of an autobiography well it's a biography I'm going to make it short because there's a lot to it because David has a lot of things going on. So David Oman, he uh, went to college there in California and he also started a 12-year career as a private investigator, picking up the entrepreneur gene from his father and a business acumen from his mother. David left the investigative business uh, left the investigative business in 1998 to open a restaurant. He used his experience to produce a video entitled the original the original Bachelor barbecue show. In 1999, David started helping his father build a house on Cielo Drive, next to the infamous Sharon Tate murders, A.K.A. the Manson murders. Who remembers those? If you do, you're older than me. Now, actually, I'm pretty, I'm pretty old too. So, anyway, if y'all remember the Manson murders, his house is just 150 feet from Sharon Tate's home, and. This is one of the most famous homes of mass murders that you can remember. If you remember, uh, I mean, it, it, you know, Charles Manson, he was just psychotic, psychotic killer. These people went over there, murdered all these people in the home, and we're gonna be talking about that as well. And uh, when David started helping his father build his house, next to them from the Sherrod Tate Murders, after two years of living in the home, David created a story based upon his experience called The House at the End of the Drive. Every floor in every room has spirits and visitors, and some have said that it's almost like a giant spirit party. The Omen House has been featured on Ghost Hunters, Dead Famous Live, Searching for Satan, My Ghost Story, Haunted History, Ghost Adventures, and Paranormal Witness. David and the Omen House have also been featured on the Larry King Live Show. David is here with us tonight to share some of his, his experiences. David, say hello to everybody. It is a pleasure to have you on the show, my my brother.
2: Hello, everybody, especially those of you in Texas and San Antonio. And uh, hello to the rest of the world out there. How are you all doing?
0: Well, I'm sure everybody is doing great. I'm sure they're itching right now just to hear what the stories have to say.
2: Yeah, um, as a matter of fact, tonight's an interesting night out here. We've got some very heavy wind... Um, wind's blowing. I mean, it's about 40 mile an hour wind gusts up here and the house is actually, the windows are shaking. It's so heavy. But with that said, there's a lot more energy being deposited in the house um, because of the static electricity that it's kicking up. And let's just say that I'm expecting tonight to be very, very um,
0: active. As yeah, we were, we were having some trouble there for a minute getting a hold of you. I mean, I was calling and calling. I thought, okay, we've got issues. We don't have our guest.
2: Yeah, as you mentioned, about uh, 10 minutes to 9, <laughs> literally, I was after we had just gotten off the the uh, Skype phone, I go out onto the balcony, and I come in the house to shut the windows, and all of a sudden it goes black. And I look, and I said, oh, <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm about to go on the air with these guys. The I said, you can't do this to me. This can't happen. Well,
0: this is not and, unusual for your home, is it?
2: Well, I i mean, the wind's blowing, and what's strange is I don't know if any of the houses went black, but it went black for literally five minutes. And then I'm walking around the house, I'm looking, stumbling around looking for a flashlight as I'm taking a kind of lighter, and I've got a lighter in my hand. And I'm looking around in the, in, the, in, you know, in the darkness, and I found my phone. It's like, I hope I get a Skype signal to call you guys. I don't want to disappoint you. And all of a sudden, the lights go back on. And I'm like, thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, they were like, we were just messing with you, just trying to make sure you were on your toes.
2: It almost felt like it. It was like, are you serious? I said, you can't be serious. I said it out loud. I said, you guys, I said, are you serious? I so said, I've got to go on the air in five frickin' minutes.
1: Do they usually <laughs> mess with your power?
2: Yeah. As a matter of fact, we've had it happen in many different forms, but uh yeah, we've had power in the house, power in the um overhead lights dimming on their own and then dimming in response to people's questions.
0: Now I've got to ask, man. Yeah. And and this has been this has been eating me alive. Oh God. Ever since the death of Charles Manson.
2: No, <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you. You're you're the one millionth person of get get the award.
0: I well um, no. Okay, well now just, we're talking to okay, several I million the, people. I ask
2: the question because it's not fair to the listeners. They're like, no to what man? You didn't let him finish the question. You can't do <laughs> that psychic shit, man. That's not fair. Hey, when we're out here. We have no idea what the hell the question was. And just because you exerted your psychic ability, and it's like no. The the fact is is I know the question because it's been asked so many times when you say the words Charles Manson and since. It's like, yeah, I know the rest of the question. And if you want, uh, I mean, since Charles Manson has died, has the activity in the house either A, ramped up and gotten more crazy? B, has Charles Manson's spirit visited the house? C, has Sharon Tate's spirit left and gone to the great beyond, as you mentioned years ago that Lisa Williams said to you that that Sharon Tate and the rest of them were earthbound because they were waiting for them to die. And, I, and she said all of them. As I know it, as, so far as today is concerned, only two of the members that were involved in the you know, murders have passed away, which is Charles and Susan. And that's Atkins, and that's Manson. And that's not Susan At- Manson and Charles Atkins, that's Susan, Susan Atkins and Charles Manson.
0: <laughs> well, see, now we're talking to millions of other people, so now we can get more of the story. Right. So
2: Well, the, the, the thought is, is that Avery said, do you think, and I said, like the first thing I said is, oh, God, really? Do you think that he's coming back to visit moi? He's coming back to visit me? I wasn't here in the area in 1969 when the murders went down, first of all. The house wasn't here, so for him to make and <laughs> make a visit, make the trip to pay me a visit, to come upon me and say, "Hey, David, I'm here to visit you. I died, you know. I'm, I'm coming back to visit your house." You know, How's wouldn't that, that wouldn't
0: that just be the? I <laughs> like
2: really, I don't think so. First of all, only because I think that he's got a, a, a he's had a long-standing reservation, but at uh, fireside, let us say. And I don't think anything was going to th- derive him from his opportunity to make that appointment that was made long ago. Now, so now, can I,
0: you imagine if now that you said that, you're going to go to bed tonight and you're going to see someone at the, feet, at the feet of your bed and it's going to have this big old beard and this swastik on the forehead. And
2: Yeah, right. Every day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, guess what? And if that happens, you all remember the movie Ghost, right? With Patrick Swayze from a number of years ago. Right. I suggest all of your viewers, if you haven't watched that movie, watch, go out and find that online and download it and watch Ghosts with Demi Moore and the late Patrick Swayze. And I say that because there's really, there's a lot of kernels of truth, at least, and I don't, I'm not one for theories because I think that until we die, everything that anybody speculates and postulates about the paranormal is exactly that. It's a speculation, a postulation, a theory. It's nothing more than our, how should we say, human beings' rationalization of what it is that is happening or has happened or is taking place and trying to dope it out, as my mother used to say. As she used to say, because people are just trying to figure it out. Because it doesn't make them right or wrong. It just means that that's their attempt to try to make heads or tails of it
0: right so you let know. me ask you yeah. once you yeah. all built this house that you're in yeah how long after you built it before things started getting kind of crazy and you were unable to explain it let's get into the beginning of the whole story
2: that happened from the day i came up here the very first time to see the property honestly
0: oh so what, the house wasn't dad, even there it was well, just I mean, the property
2: that I I used to come up here in high school to come up and see the Tate House because we had all read the book Helter Skelter. And, you know, this is in the late, early 80s, and we were sitting there reading this book, and it was like, oh, we got to go up to the Tate House to see where it all went down. And the house was still there. So we used to go up there, and my friends used to drive up there because I never drove up there. (laughs) That's one thing I will admit. I never drove up there. I always went with friends. Because had I driven up there myself, I would have known exactly how to get back up here, which we'll get back to later on in the story. But as the story goes, we're up here. My dad calls me up early on a Sunday morning in late 1998 in November at 8 in the morning and says, I want you to go meet me up at this property. And I said, what? He goes, I said, Dad, I'm sound asleep. What's going on? He goes, I found a property. And the L.A. Classified, this is when we used to have the Sunday paper, when, you know, <laughs> pre-really pre Internet explosion, where you could do stuff like this readily. And uh, about 20, yes, 20 years ago now, he says to me, he goes, look, because goes, I found this property up in, uh, Bella, in Beverly Hills. It's $40,000. It's a foreclosure. I want you to go up here and meet me. And I'm like, what, it's a vertical slope? What? <laughs> <laughs> $40,000. I said, are you crazy? You know, what was it? An inch by, it was like a foot and a half by a hundred feet. I said, wait, no. And he goes, just, just stop. You he just, just, here's the address. Go get your, you know, your, your Thomas guide because there wasn't MapQuest and figure out where the hell to get and be there in like 25 minutes. I'll meet you up there. So he says, roughly it's in Benedict Canyon. He says it's Cielo Drive. And at the time I'm not like making the connection of the name Cielo Drive and Sharon Tate and the whole nine yards so I get my map you know my little map and I go look and I figure out how to get there and I drive up here and I'm literally at the time I'm very close by because my apartment that was my sister's from 20 years earlier I I basically took over and it, I got up here and I said oh my god I said holy sh- you know what I don't want to curse on your show so I won't and I don't know <laughs> if, if, if if SHIT is cursing if it is I won't say it but was like oh my I said that's the sh- where the Sharon Tate house was. Now, mind you, this is six years after. it Turns out the Sharon Tate house was torn down. It's really Roman. It's really um, Rudy Altibelli's house, but they tore it down. So I'm looking down the end of the driveway and shaking my head in total disbelief, going, "This is where this." I said, "This is where I used to come in high school." It's like 20 years early. I'm like, "Holy God!" Not 20 years early. It's like I oh got 20 years know, yeah, a number of years earlier. So I said, "This is where." I said, "I can't believe it." I said, "I finally found the lot. That's amazing, because I'd always try to find the, the lot and the house up here, and I could never find it on my own." So we, I go and I look at the property, and it's a hillside, and it's literally 150 feet from where the house stood, and I'm going, "Oh my God!" I said, "This is crazy." And this is forty thousand dollars, and it's 48 feet wide. Hillside going straight down, probably about a 45 degree angle on the slope. And I'm like, this is pretty interesting. And my dad drives up and he says, What do you think? I said, You know where we are. And he goes, No. I said, I point down the street. And I said, That's where the Sharon Tate murders went down, Dad. And he goes, So? Because he we're here to look at this guy's drum lot. I don't, you know, what do I give a you know, rat's ass about something that happened? You know, some thirty some odd years ago. Why you know, what do I care? <laughs> so it was like that. So he goes, What do you think of the lot? I said, It's amazing. I said, Dad, do I see V-bar on the surface of the of the slope? And he goes, Apparently somebody tried building here and they couldn't they got stopped by the city. And I said, Really? He goes, Yeah, that's why it's now in foreclosure. And apparently you can't build on this lot because there's there's some problems with it. So he said, I think we can get this lot, and we can steal it for $40,000, and we'll end up buying it. We'll build a house on it. And it had been my dream since I was a kid, always, to build a house with my dad. My dad was a builder. He built my sister's house um, some, about 10 years earlier. He built you know, the house I grew up in. And to me, it was like I always wanted to build a house of my own. I said, you know, you can design it the way you want. You, you see, he always was building houses, and I was always out on the site as a kid watching him. So it was like, oh, this is going to be a dream come true. Not exactly the dream location, but as it turned out, it really turned out to be the dream location. Hey, Reggie, come back over here. Sorry, I'm talking to my dog. <laughs> like, I'd rather me talk to him once and tell him to sit the f- down. And to have you here to the entire show that click clack click clack click clack to the show. Right on, right. Ray. Ray. Reggie, put your tushy down.
0: Come yeah, on. I know. I, I know what you're going through. I had a Ranger, my raccoon in here with me earlier and uh he was uh gnawing on my ear, had me screaming like a little girl there for a minute, thought so I thought, nah I don't think that's gonna come out good on the radio. We need to kinda put him in the other room for right now.
2: A raccoon.
0: Yeah, my raccoon. Only in Texas.
2: One hundred percent thumbs up across the board. That's cracked I love that? <laughs> Jesus. How How old is your raccoon? Oh, he's
0: just a little bitty thing. He's he's still he's still just a baby. He is uh, his mom got killed. He ended up becoming a rescue for me right now. So I'm just trying to look after him and get him back up to to speed because he was. Uh, after his mom got killed, he was on his own there for a little bit, and he was not quite off the bottle yet. Oh, no. Yep, yeah, so... Well, I am now... I am now mama.
2: Even as a pet, because, you know, once a raccoon has been, you know, how should you say, um, has a human imprint upon him, he will then associate human beings not as a fearful... something to be fearful of, but as a benefactor. Right. And if that's the case he will be killed.
0: Yep, exactly.
2: That, that's a, that's a big problem. The dog or cat in the garbage, and they will plumb out, pull a guy's time 22 or a 30-odd-six or something and just blow him to smithereens yep. and laugh the hell, you know, all about it. You know, and I've seen videos with people that have rescued raccoons, and I am, like, saying, you know, if I had the opportunity, I would totally take it on because it's, it's an opportunity to really, you know... Interact with a wild animal, and unfortunately, it's by dumb luck. Let us say that he's now imprinted with a human's imprint, so he's basically screwed if you throw him out. But if you keep him, he'll learn to behave like a dog. Oh,
0: yeah, he's he's something else. He's he's getting along with everybody. So we're lucky that we were able to save him okay. and 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 uh, you know yeah. save him from certain death. I guess you could say.
2: And, and unfortunately, it is because. It's, I've seen this with people that have done this with wild animals, with bobcats and bears. And I said, they said we can't release them. I said, why? They said, damn thing's got an imprint of a human being. It'll associate human beings with its that it, he or it is a human being, mm-hmm. and therefore he will associate and thereby put himself into harm's way by being with other you know, human beings, and someone's gonna kill him.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Right
2: there. So it had to be kept into it in an enclosure or a, a special, you know, a habitat where it wasn't, you know, in the wild any longer for its own safety. And I understand that.
0: Right. So we're talking so about of
2: ghosts in the house and whatnot.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm sitting here looking at the problem going, you know, and all of a sudden I started having this weird like vibe going, you're right where you're supposed to be. And I kept on going, Looking at, it, it's like, you know something? I always mentioned that I always wanted to live in the same area that I grew up in, which is in the hills in Westwood and Bel Air. And like I said, my dad built that house. And, you know, the reason why I'm so infatuated with your situation of the raccoon is, is that I grew up in the hills where we had deer, bobcats, coyotes, the mountain lions, the possums. you know, I mean, the opossums, unfortunately, are all dead. There were a few raccoons and skunks, but, I mean, I dug that stuff and seeing the rattlesnakes, you know, I mean, I was just, that's cool. I love that. And the hawks. So, I mean, to grow up, to end up having a house that's in the same actual hill range or mountain range as that, to me, is the benefit of the whole thing because I love it up here. I love the animals and seeing the wildlife and, you know, the, the deer, the rabbits, you know, the, the rattlesnakes. Um, you know, to me, I mean, people go the rattlesnakes. It's like, yeah, they have their place in this ecosystem because I've seen these tiny little mice that are supposedly not mice, but some type of a rodent that are literally one inch in, in size. <laughs> they look like micromice. They are literally... And I was like, what the fai? Yeah, yeah, it's a mouse. He said, no, my friend because it's not a mouse. It's not a rat. It's a field mice or something. I was gone it's as tiny as a quarter. And because that's full-blown. He goes, oh, Jesus, that's... The, and it's just like the body was that big. The tail might have been an inch long, if that. It was crazy. So I mean, I get a kick out of it. So to see a, a rattlesnake or a garter snake, I'm like, go, go do your business. Take care of this, you know, the, the rodents. There's plenty of them here to take care of. So I don't, I don't mess with anything. I'm really kind of like enjoying it and just drilling with it. And the like, same with the ghosts. People go, aren't you terrified? Aren't you scared? And it's like, no, I'm not. And I laugh, and people go. How do you live there? Why isn't it scary to death? And I go, well, um, last I checked, dead people aren't trying to hurt me. Yeah, it's not really the dead you have
0: to worry about. It's the live.
2: You know, it's like they're here for other things than to sit there and mess with you. You think they're hanging out in the closet 23 hours a day (laughs) waiting for that moment when you open it up and go, (laughs) Ooh.
1: <laughs> well, how do you know they're actually ghosts? What do you think they're? Do you think they're people that died or do you think there's something else?
2: I don't know. How do I know they're ghosts? Yeah. Let's see, um, I've always wanted to see a ghost, you know, a quote unquote, an apparition, full body, you know, woo. and I never have. And I mean, I had gone to places like the Winchester House some 25 years ago and I was mildly impressed for what it was—an architectural mar- marvel, of a curiosity and and a, an enigma wrapped in a in a woman's story. But there were very few spirit activities. But here, 14 years ago, in the middle of the night, in a July, in July, middle of July, I woke up to see at the foot of my bed, as we were saying earlier, a full-body apparition. Life size. Lights were off. It was dark. I had my two dogs and three of my cats were on the bed with me, and I literally—I went. This is the scenario. I go to sleep. I looked at the clock. It said 1:37. At the time, it was one of those um, LED clocks with the red, you know, LED lights in front of on the uh, on the uh, nightstand. So I looked at it. It said 1:37, and I put my head on the pillow. And I just mysteriously just fell asleep, and then all of a sudden I wake up and I feel like I've been asleep for four hours, and my eyes like open up slowly and I'm like blinking and I look at the clock and it says 1:39. minutes have passed, and all of a sudden I start like for some reason I start looking, my head starts like as you say turning towards the foot of my bed, and there I see him. And him is a full-body gentleman. But get this. The lights are out, and it's pretty much, I wouldn't say pitch black, but pretty damn dark. And there's no light on, but he is light. Meaning his illumination source is not, as we used to, I remember from my art class, is it coming from above? Is it coming from below? You know where's the source source of light is what it's called and it's the same for photography it's where the sun is in relationship or where's the light source in relationship to your subject matter he was the source of the light he was and i'll describe in clear terms and yes i was completely wide wide awake he was not in color he was in all sorts all um shades of blue of gray as I called it then and I'll say it again and he was his hair was charcoal black gray kind of it was parted on the side and it was kind of um kinky you know like I've got (laughs) you can't tell under the hat here but I've got straight hair and my sister used to bitch and moan at me when I was a kid because she goes you have straight hair I have I have kinky hair I can't stand it why is it that you have straight hair and I have kinky hair you were blessed with that. And this guy had like this kinky hair, parted to the side. He's wearing a double-breasted, short-lapelled suit. And I mean short lapels. It was up to here. So I mean, it was literally about three inches. So it was the style of the 60s. And the suit was a powder blue, was a, was a, was a, was a little darker shade of a powder blue gray. Because his shirt was a white gray and his tie was a powder blue gray. And his skin was this hue of, like, this iridescent white gray. But he wasn't fuzzy. He was crystal clear. So you had, as, had
0: you had a lot of detail when you saw this thing.
2: Oh, yeah, baby. I mean, I had a good 10. 10 it was a 10-second, and people don't know. How, many, how do you know it's 10 seconds? Because what he did in that time period that I'm saying this in, that I was able to witness and watch him, wasn't just stand there and then vaporize. No. He was standing there. I saw him from his head to his toes. And he was wearing these this black, almost dark charcoal black loafers. And he had his left hand out, his left index finger pointing, and he was turning from his torso up. So from his mid-waist up, a quarter turn towards what I then called the driveway so if you can imagine I'm sitting in my bed my bed's facing um let's see um south no 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 that's north south it was facing west my bed's facing west and he's sitting there facing me but he's turning his body a quarter turn three times towards the proper the driveway as I thought he was towards the downward slope of the driveway as it turns out, he was really pointing towards the property next door.
0: Ah, Well, David, we're going to take a short break. We have to, we have to yep. take a short break right now. We're going to be right back with David Oman from the Oman House, 150 feet away from Sharon Tate's and the Manson murders. We shall return here shortly. Don't go away. You're not going to want to miss these stories. They are freaking phenomenal. Be right back with you guys.
3: OpenEyes Network now airs a live simulcast on YouTube. Our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash OpenEyes Network, features not just our live content, but other videos as well, and is always active. So now you can tune in in many different ways. OpenEyes Network shows air Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time live. Be sure to visit OpenEyesNetwork.com to find easy-to-use links to get to all of the places that you want to listen to our shows. And don't forget, all of our shows will now be archived as well on YouTube.
4: There is a better radio show, beyond that which is known to the people. It is a radio show more informative than others, and as timeless as infinity. It is the equilibrium between light and dark, between the sheeple and the paranormal, and it is heard at the base of man's ignorance, and at the summit of his knowledge. This is the radio show of imagination, a show we call The Secret Teachings.
3: Open Eyes is dedicated to finding the truth in all matters. We are not afraid to be politically incorrect or to ask questions. Whether it is the paranormal, government cover-ups, the dark agenda that the puppet masters have in store for us, or aliens and UFOs, nothing remains hidden. Listen to Open Eyes. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on LateNightInTheMidlands.com or OpenEyesNetwork.com. Open hearts, open minds, open eyes. Ben Franklin said, if you do the same thing tomorrow as you did today, you're going to get the same tomorrow as you got today. Changing the world starts with you, and changing you starts with changing the way you think. Late Night in the Midlands can help. Listen to all of our shows at com because things really do need to
0: change. And we are back and we are with David Omen from the Omen House, right close within 150 feet. Of Sharon Tate's home where the Manson murders took place. And this is Paranormal Analytical. My name is Eddie Hill. I'm your host. And I have Miguel too. Hello, hello. And we have Renee Rodriguez, who wasn't near his microphone earlier.
5: <laughs> Howdy. <laughs> <laughs> Love so, it.
0: So, yeah, I called him out. You got it. And we have David Owen. David, man, you're telling us about this apparition that was standing there at your bed and I mean this is starting to get creepy and I mean and this is like some of the first experiences that you had with this isn't it
2: yeah well I mean I, I, I like I said staying here and living here I had plenty of things that had happened I mean things that had happened I mean objects that had moved um, on their own and um, voices and footsteps and just activity was things were happening then but it wasn't like I had a visual confirmation that it was tied in directly to the Sharon Tate murders. That's the whole point of my story is is that, all right, so back, let me just get back so the poor audience isn't left hanging on. What happened when the guy showed up in the middle of the night? All right. So he's standing there, and he's, like I said, he's in this 1960s-styled, short-lapel, double-breasted suit. He's got his left arm extended with his index finger pointing out, And he's making a turn, a quarter turn from straight in front of me towards the drive, towards what I think is the driveway. As It turns out later on, they started building on the house on the property next door, I'd say about 10 years ago now, and they built this house on that land. And it turns out what I saw some 14 years ago, correction, it was seven years ago that they started building on the land. So in 2011, they started building on that lot. And in so doing, they eviscerated the entire mountain by taking it like um, like you would if, as if you can imagine going to the beach and taking a giant side of a mountain and just cutting straight down. And that's what they did. They went from the driveway and all the way, was it 75, maybe 80 feet down the driveway because the lot was 80 feet long and went straight down 60 feet and cut into the mountain and then took the entire rest of the mountain below that 60 feet that went over and just cut it out. So they cut out all that mountain and basically put up 30 caissons along the street and to basically put a huge retaining wall and then carved out all that earth and put a flat concrete pad at the bottom and then built another couple of retaining walls. And built a house on so the first two levels from the st- below the street were made of concrete. Wow. Which are reinforced with steel. And then a third, then, so there's a third floor at the top floor, and then it goes like three floors down. Well, that's what Jay was pointing at. And as I say now, Jay, as it turns out, I didn't recognize him at the time as being one of the murder victims. But about six months later, I was at the LAPD doing some research to see if I could get access to the, Tate, well, to the Tate files. And at first they came, when I went there, I was given access to the La Bianca files by mistake. And I mean that by, they went and they said, oh, we've got the La Bianca files, you can go in this room and look at the photographs. And I said, after I looked through them, I said, this is Tate LaBianca? This is all La Bianca. So then I had made another request to them to say, I need to see the actual files, which turned out we're in the sealed vault at Parker Center downtown LA and have been for almost fifty years. Wow. And I said to the police when I went down, I said I said, how come it goes because this there's there's certain cases that we do not and probably will never release the photos of because they are just too dramatic and too. Um, horrific, whatever, blah, 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 too sensational. And I said, okay, I get you. So they said, what we're going to do is we're going to go into the vault. So they sent, they took me in to this, to the bowels of Parker Center. And I, my, the story was that I was going to write a book about the house. And I was. And I wanted to see if there are any pictures in the files of anything found on this lot during the, after the murders. And I wanted to, wanted to get some photographs of the area possibly that they would have that I could use in the book of the driveway leading up to the gate from where I'm standing presently. And they said, well, what you'll have to do is you'll have to go in this room with a police officer since they didn't want me to take any pictures of the pictures. And I would have to basically get an hour in the room or however long to look through the photographs and he would be assigned with me to sit with me in the room with me while I went through the photographs.
0: So they wouldn't even leave you with the photographs by yourself.
2: Uh-uh. No way. Uh-uh. So I'm looking through the photographs, and I'm seeing everything. And when I say everything, I know you guys have seen some of the photos that have been re and re and re-shown on, um, you know, the Internet. Let's just say this stuff that I saw was just Unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I imagine they kept a lot of the gore out of it, you know, when they uh, showed it to the public.
2: They never showed it to the public, and I found out what it was. The police said the police. I guess the officer, I mean the captain, wasn't an officer who was working there. Said to me that um, apparently, you know, back in the day, some of the officers who were retiring that worked on the case, he believes took some of the shots and some of the other people, you know, involved after they closed the files in the case, took some of the pictures themselves and took them home, and they got, you know, distributed eventually. And I was like, Jesus. I said, there's so many pictures here. And I'm looking through the pictures, and I go through this one picture, and I flip it up, look at it, and I said, oh, my God. And the officer said, what's the matter? And I said, Um, nothing. And I flip the picture over, and it says, J.C. Sebring natural hairstyle it says jay sebring with natural hairstyle and i go oh my god i said son of a and it was the guy with the hair part on the side right it was, it, but, and it was jay i mean all the photographs i had seen of jay sebring the publicity shots show him with straight smooth hair that was like parted on the side really well styled this guy had you know kinked hair that was kind of parted to the side I was like, oh my God, that's, that, that's amazing. I later found out that Jay Sebring had, had this hair institute and also had his hair salons and that he had created this hair compound, which was basically an anti-kink compound for men's hair to get men with kinky hair to have straight hair. Wow. And apparently he had created it to be used for himself and obviously since he's no longer alive, why would he need the vanity of having to have hair stuff in his hair?
0: Right, so it all went back to the way it normally was.
2: Right. And he didn't look all sl- you know, all stabbed up, all shot up, all beaten up. He looked fine when I saw him there. His skin was the same skin like I said on his hand that I saw it was this like pearlescent, you know, greyish white. His skin was the same way, but he wasn't like like gunshot wounds. Like you see in the movies, like you see in American Werewolf in London, circa 1981, which was on TV. Every time the guy comes back, the people come back, they're decomposing a little bit more, so by the time his <laughs> best friend's coming back at the end of the freaking movie, he's a freaking talking corpse. He's a talking skeleton. You
0: know, okay? you you just brought back images of American Werewolf in London when you know the the corpses would come back and they looked worse and worse and worse as the you know, as he, the movie yeah, went.
2: that's not how it works. This is the mythology that we've all no 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 that you all have been led to believe in the paranormal field that. He's gonna come back the way he died. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? God, news to you. What about the poor son of a bitch that died in the gosh darn cannery accident down in Long Beach in in San Pedro in the tuna factory? Are you gonna tell me that you're gonna turn around someday and you're gonna see a gosh darn six foot silver platter with a bunch of gosh darn cans of freaking tuna stacked up like a pyramid there? (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, look at that. What the hell is this? Ch- Starkus, the tuna man here? What is that? Because I see 50 cans of Starkus tuna stacked. Rah, rah, rah. Oh my God. I don't believe it. He goes, what? Because It's the guy that died in the tuna factory accident. Remember? They said he actually got packed and canned. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what
2: about the guy who died in a terrible wood chipper accident? You know, he's going to come back on a gosh darn pile of beef chipped human beef <laughs> oh my god what's that is it a side dish at the gosh i can eat caesar's buffet what is that oh my god it's the guy that died in the wood chipper oh my god
0: how, how <laughs> you just get you just get little chunks of beef that show up as ghosts
2: yeah you know what do you get meat wad from from aqua teen hunger Force? come on it's you know, when you
1: have these, uh, when you have these encounters, or when you have uh, activity in your house,
2: yeah,
1: uh, is there any any earthquakes right before, or after you have these, uh, when you have these sightings? Never. Or storms, yeah. or anything odd. You said today was windy, really windy. Is well, anything weird happen right before you have these encounters with these entities?
2: No. No, there's not like a forewarning, like four bells and seven yards. No, we're...
1: I was just wondering if just like the weather yes. or earthquakes would affect whatever yeah. these whatever these things are.
2: No, um, uh, we just had an earthquake the other day, you know, in L.A., and I didn't realize until I ran upstairs, and anyway, I was upstairs a couple hours in, I noticed that one of the, the figurines that doesn't get knocked over was knocked over. So I ran downstairs, and I turned on my post-ticket television cameras, and I watched, and it was like 12 It's like, oh, my God, that was the time the earthquake hit. And you could see a little bit of movement, which is very rare for the earthquakes to actually have an impact upon us here at the house. But I felt it, and I was like, oh, my God, son of a, you know what? And it's like, that was the earthquake. So outside of that, no, it's really generally pretty... um, you know, uh, low key with that. They don't. There's not a forewarning or an activity that'll precursor to the action of what goes on. So
0: there's nothing that you would consider more scientific than not. You know, whenever you have these occurrences that take place.
2: Um, hmm, I don't know if I would use those terms about scientific or not. Um, it's random. To random. it's It's random. And, it, and it, here's, the, here's an example, and I know you guys, I don't know if you have, but if you've gone to my um, YouTube channel, you'll see a video from about six months ago where I was here in my office, and I've got a camera over my left shoulder, and it's probably about three, four feet away of that. And it, uh, I was doing some karaoke, f- screwing around with it about two hours before I was having the investigation that night. The last one here, I think it was the October the October 13th investigation, it was a Friday night investigation and um, I went to review the footage of how my audio was as far as my singing and I said oh damn, I said it didn't work and it's like I'm here alone and on cue right over my shoulder, this voice was captured saying Epping, he said, effing pricks and I'm like I watched, I said, he said effing pricks, plural. I said, okay. I looked up there. This was like five minutes. I said, okay, so who are you talking about? Because I would have been an effing prick, but I, that was what you said. And it's clear as a bell. And I'm not doing an EVP session. This spirit's just decided that, hey, I want to say something, and you're going to get it on tape. Your luck.
1: You know what? I, I want to inject something. That's interesting that you said that happened on October thirteenth, right?
2: I'm trying to. I'm it was a Friday, the, Friday the thirteenth, correct?
1: Sure. Uh, well, somebody just mentioned that it's Friday the thirteenth already in New York. Yeah. being Six months, so it's, oh, wow. it's already half a year has passed. You might you might get some more. Yeah, you tonight.
0: know, for the superstitious oh, people out there. Stop, yeah. Hey, re- remember you already had your Stop. lights Stop. go out. Your electricity went out. Oh,
2: that's your right. Penis- Oh, God. <laughs> well,
1: you said there's no pattern to this, though. You, you might as well get a video ready for tonight and record it so you can have more content for your Yeah, for your because
0: if, if it's already starting, remember, you already had a power outage when we were trying to get a hold of you. Friday the 13th already in New York. Okay.
2: Yeah, so who, where, where am I? It's like, it was Friday the 13th in London eight hours ago. <laughs> I mean, five hours ago. Who cares?
0: Right, and, but it's coming, on, it, it's coming up on It's coming up on our gonna, time,
2: I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you, know,
1: gonna, you know, let I saw a couple of your videos about you having seances in your house. Yeah. Does that bring out any activities or do you think that's all hocus pocus with the seance?
2: No. Well, what it does is it allows the people that are there in this house, you got to, well, first I want to, first I want to back up about Friday the 13th and explain that. <laughs> Friday the 13th is bad because in 12, some, 1280 something or 1260 something, the Knights Templar on Friday the 13th were all rounded up by King Richard II of France and all basically put to the knife. That's why Friday the 13th has a bad con- you know, connection, seriously, I kid you not. That's historically fact. Look it up. I'm not sure about the year, but if you look up the historical origins of Friday the 13th associated with badness, that's the day that, is, that they they basically put the Knights Templar to the knife. So that's Friday the 13th. No, the seances have been and proven to be very beneficial to those that have been here. The house is actually a dynamic environment where we have presently, present 24 7, 365 a year, elevated e- DC EMF levels that are off the charts. I'm talking ranging from 4 to 5,000 milligauss positive to 4 to 5,000 milligauss negative.
0: Do, does it stay like that all the time you betcha wow. oh yeah i it, saw you have a tri meter in your house right
2: but it's constantly moving through the house it's not like it's <laughs> i can't keep i for some reason i see an old vision a video of star trek the old the original one where you have these amorphic energy blobs and they're just <laughs> there it's like, no 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 that's not what this is there's not just energy it's like it's an enigmatic energy field that's sitting there hovering over the bed watch out if you go in it you'll be trapped. no as barry taff had said and remember what i say now about barry taff and referencing him it's not what he's saying pleasant day because god knows what he says present day it's about what he said to me 14 years or 13 years ago when he was here and the stuff that i have documented in his own writing in the reports scientific reports that he wrote down that i still have thank god to refute what he says present day about the house because when he was here he was singing a whole different story and song than you're hearing now and this stuff that you hear with zach baggins and, oh, yes, Barry, tell me, if you'll go the, back to the Omen House, I will go back there. Otherwise, it will not return to the Omen House, he said on, famously on Ghost Adventures Aftershocks. And the irony is, is Barry's later saying, oh, I'm constantly, you know, um, he, he's constantly having to go to the hospital after he visits David's house. And I'm making a, a semi-quote from, from Zach Bagans' book, um, I Am um, Haunted, you know, his book that he wrote. And it's funny because I remember Barry, well, in the book it says that Barry came back here more than 20 times and it almost nearly killed him after the very first time. And I'm like going, first of all, what kind of a donkey dick believes that somebody would put themselves in harm's way and go back to a place that almost killed them one time but instead of not going back, they went back 20 times. Oh yeah, there's a there's something that I don't want to call fake news, but absurdity and, and stupidity in writing to believe that somebody would say that. But Zach said this in his book about Barry, and anybody with half a brain would go look at that and say, wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. You just said in the sentence before that this guy almost died and had to go to the hospital after his very first visit to the Omen House, and then he passed out. Yet, in the next line, you say that Barry has been back to the house more than 20 times in the year. When, well, tell me something, man. Which is it? <laughs> so as I said, but in, in back in the day, when it really counts, and what I have documented, what Barry said and was saying about the house was that the house is, and is a gigantic bipole and that according to his DCG trifield or his geomagnetometer his digital digital geomagnetometer which only registered up to 2000 milligauss positive or negative that he says the meters are peaking at that level if we had meters that registered above and beyond 2000 milligauss we could get an accurate recording he says but at present i can't tell you what what it's really peaking at you know what it's really at because my instruments don't read above that.
0: Well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny that you say that because levels that high, David, are considered actually very unsafe to be around and can cause also different types of uh, 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 mental type uh, issues.
2: Yeah, 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 Let me ask you a question. Who, who, where did you hear that stock cracked from?
0: <laughs> well, actually, that was that, you know, it, it says on yeah. all the, it says on the meters. Yeah, it says on the meters. You know that high levels of, of electromagnetic fields can cause issues. You don't believe that.
2: Very t- uh, am I living proof? Well, you're alive. <laughs> wait, 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 time out. Am I still living here 16 years later? You're
0: still living there 16 years later.
2: 16 years later. I don't give a crack's ass of what Zach Douchebaggin says. He's a <laughs> bullshit. The man bought the demon house took and shot a movie there, and then proceeded to tear it the hell down. Give yeah. me a break, baby. Yeah, that... Won't come back here to my house because he's so chicken shit because he's terrified to come back here, and he went so far as to say that I am possessed in his clock of crap. I'm, uh, what is it, douchebag, life of douchery. I'm by douchebaggins. You know, I think he's a fraud <laughs> and a pompous, Pussycat Willow. That's right. He, he spent less than three less than half the time in his six hour lockdown at the omen house and managed to whopping stay here three whopping hours. Woo
0: He stayed at he only stayed in there three hours?
2: He managed to stay in this house three hours. Three hours and ran out like a little I don't want to make it an insulting. Yeah, yeah, let's watch I'm the lying. language a little bit there. <laughs> But he was he was scared out of his half-witted mind.
0: <laughs> wow.
2: Like, oh, we're done. We're done. I said, what do you mean you're done? Said, it's one in the morning. I said, I looked at my watch and I said, I said you guys can't be done. I said, you have three hours. I of- said, oh no, we have enough, we have enough in we have enough goddamn evidence. We've got plenty of evidence. We gotta get out of here. We're done. We're through. Goodbye. And I was like, You've got to be kidding me. You're a professional what? Freddy cat? Chicken shit? <laughs> <laughs> That's an insult to pussy cats. I got four of them. My cats have lived here longer than he managed to stay in here.
0: The well, I, I got to ask you, bring in all that up.
2: Furthermore, the fact that he is corro- that he is hooked up with Charlie Manson's grandson to do a documentary on Manson's last days and the, and the and the aftermath. Blow it out his ripe little ass. <laughs> Sick, pathetic yes both of them well i got i got i gotta ask
0: you david being with all that said with all that said yeah. would you allow paranormal analytical to go there
2: yeah
0: and investigate
2: <laughs> i've had plenty of other guys and, and teams come out here to investigate
1: hey what about uh, the surrounding area the, the uh, what's around the house other than the other house, I mean what's around there
2: <laughs> houses?
1: Just more <laughs> houses?
2: Am I, I'm not in the middle of, like, Mars, so to speak. It's no, the, you
1: said there was a, a wooded area. Uh, I mean, it was.
2: No, there are four houses. There's, like, six houses up here. Just on this street alone, there's seven houses now.
1: And do they all have the same kind of uh, activity? No. Just um, your house?
2: Just this place. has a lot to do with the way the... Um, the um, What was it? The uh, structural engineer designed the house and put in the, or he designed into the house and structure the four steel I beams and the six steel columns that are supporting the four steel I beams that are supporting the second and third level.
1: Oh, he made like a giant antenna.
2: Well, more like a giant um, Ferris cage on the second and third floor. So you basically got three poles. One of this left one in the right and one in the center, that are holding up these two steel I-beams that are running across the floor on the third floor, and then there's another two steel I-beams that are also holding up, that are also configured in the same fashion, that are up about 10 feet up the, up the mountain or up the, uh, the footings, that are also set in concrete that are, three, that are connecting the steel I-beams that are holding up the second floor.
1: Oh wow, maybe that's what's the, maybe that's maybe that is the reason why I get in activity. Oh Barry never thought said, about doing a oh, Faraday
2: cage. Barry said that there's a geomagnetic anomaly that's in the area and with the way the house is constructed with the 13 caissons that we here when we bought the land and the fact that the reinforced steel rebar goes through all the caissons through the ca- the concrete footings and all the gray beams that are surrounding and supporting the underlying you know frame of the house that that is contributing to this gigantic, you know, bipole that's going on activity-wise here, so that, you know, we also have the 30-foot broad iron staircase that's a spiral staircase, which he said acts like a gigantic coil in the middle of the house.
0: Right, and I can actually see that actually taking place and happening.
2: Oh yeah, now we've got, like I said, I've had a crescent wrench sit at the bottom uh, bottom bar on top of an innocuous little wooden bar. And we went down there a couple months later with a uh, compass. And by chance, the compass got near the crescent wrench, and the compass started spinning around, which brought us out to bring a trifield meter near it and a digital one at that. And we had readings of 5,000 milligauss positive at one end and 5,000 milligauss negative at the other.
0: Wow. That is is incredible in itself.
2: By just sitting in that environment...
0: Well, we have to take one more break, David, but I want everybody to know that right now we're, we are talking with David Oman from the Omen house, and he's telling us some of the most awesome stories that you can possibly imagine with one of the most haunted homes in the United States. And when we come back, we're going to talk to him about some of the most memorable cases that he can remember of the things that have gone on in that home. So... We're going to take that break and we will be coming to you in just a few moments with more information from David Oman and the Omen House. Once again, this is Paranormal Analytical. I'm going to heal your host and we shall return very soon.
3: The rising rate of autism is not just concerning, it's a disaster. No matter what the cause of it is, it is something that everyone should be acutely aware of and actively helping out those in the community that have it. That is why Adventures in Autism was created. Adventures in Autism is a show inspired by our life with our son Seth and the many experiences his autism has brought to our lives. Each episode we bring you the topic of the week news about autism, and resources to help you and your family or friends out in their own adventures with autism. Tune in Mondays at noon and midnight on LNMRadioNetwork.com or OpenEyesNetwork.com and get involved in the community. Let our experiences be an inspiration to you.
1: Attention, L&M Radio Network listeners. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi available, you can still listen to every minute of the LNM Radio Network by calling 605-562-4203? No smartphone app or internet needed. Saves your data plan and no extra cost if you have unlimited minutes. Call 605 562 4203 to listen to the LNM Radio Network on any phone, anytime,
3: anywhere. There are days that the red pill is bitter in my stomach, but I can't get it back out. I think because I have to. I speak because I have no choice. I walk through this dark age we're in with open eyes. Listen to Open Eyes on LateNightInTheMidlands.com and together, maybe we won't stumble and fall. The Late Night in the Midlands radio network is deeply devoted to you, the listener. We feel it is necessary to bring you all of the information that you can use in your life. Each and every day, you will find something to listen to here. And whether you come away from the shows informed, inspired, or entertained, it is our passion. We don't bow to corporations and we don't have handlers to tell us what not to talk about. We bring you everything. Late Night in the Midlands, however, is fully listener supported. We need your help to stay on the air and to make sure that we get the bills paid. We need your help to keep the truth alive. If you feel that you have gotten anything out of Late Night in the Midlands, we would appreciate your support. You can become a subscriber and help us out on a monthly basis. Or if you'd like, a one-time donation is fully appreciated as well. Every year, the average household in America spends over $3,000 on entertainment alone. If you could help us with just a tiny fraction of that amount, you would make all of the difference. Go to Late Night in the Midlands dot com and click on the subscribe button. Thank you, and as always, keep yourself informed.
0: David Oman from the Oman House, right close, 150 feet to Sharon Tate's home, the Manson Murders. And we're talking about the hauntings that are taking place in his home. His home has been featured on Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, and many others. He is like super, super popular. This is like the party home for all things regarding ghosts and hauntings. So, David, (laughs) without further ado, man, tell us a little bit about what exactly is the most memorable thing that is taking place at your house? You know, as far as hauntings go. And and and, and then I want to get into this one where I saw this video where this lady actually kinda of freaked out trying to get out of a room and started screaming like she was blocked in there. You know, I, I I saw this and I was like, What is going on with this lady? But uh you All know,
2: right, I gotta stop you right there before you go any further. You saw the video. It's on my YouTube channel. For the folks that are out there, go to youtube.com forward slash David O-M-A-N. That's how you spell my name. It's not O-M-E-N. It's O-M-A-N. And, yeah, I know exactly the video. Now, you saw I'm in the room with her literally four or five feet away from her, and this is during a paranormal investigation, one of the routine ones we used to have here. Um, I, unfortunately, I haven't had any in six months, and I don't know if I'm going to do any more. But like I said, it was one that I had done here. And I'm like standing there. And somebody, if you watch the video and you listen to what the other people are saying, and that are sitting in the room talking in the third level guest bedroom, and remember, that's where Nick Roth was at during Ghost Adventures, and he had his meltdown. And you remember that Zach and Aaron were upstairs laughing, ha, ha, ha. Well, you didn't know that because you didn't see it. I saw it firsthand when it was all going down that Zach and Aaron and um, what's the other guy? Um, Jay Wozley were in the back of the van, and they were cracking up when Nick was having his meltdown. And what you didn't see is any of that. And I'm outside the van, and I'm looking at them, and I'm listening to Nick. Who's talking on the walkie-talkie and also on the cameras, and they're watching it on the monitors in the back of the van? And I'm like, "What are you? Are you effing kidding?" And I got start getting pissed off. I'm like, and they're laughing, going, "Hey," and I'm like, "Hey, you stinking no good son of a bitch! What do you think this is?" You're some friend. This is how you treat your friend, your partner. You let him, you're hanging him out there to dry, to to dangling. He's having an experience, whether or not he's actually having it or if he's manufacturing it, doesn't matter. That's you know whatever he's experiencing, he's experiencing it for real.
0: Right. He's believing whatever's taking place.
2: Exactly. I'm not saying that he's imagining it. I'm saying that whatever he's experiencing, he's experiencing it, and this is all happening. And I'm like. You can't. I said, you guys. I said to them, I said, that's it. I said, if you don't get your asses down there, screw your freaking show. I said, I'm not letting somebody get tormented in my house on my freaking watch. Who the F you, F, and I'm cursing my ass off. I said, if you don't, I will charge down there like the goddamn flight brigade and go down there to get his ass out of there. I said, you guys are too freaking much. I said, who the flying, I said, you are the biggest, you know what, son of a guy. And there's a, and they're like, like and then they got they got serious. And I said, Don't give me this goddamn freaking bullshit. I said, you, what if you were down there? I said, huh? I said, wouldn't you want somebody to bail your ass out if you were having a meltdown in a strange house and you didn't know what the hell to do? I said, that's just ridiculous. So they said, All right, all right, that's enough. And he goes, "Hey, I mean, you go down there and get him. And I'm like, God damn it. And I'm just – this is where all – any <laughs> any shred of respect that I ever had for this guy kind of, like, went out the window with that incident. Because it was just like, you know, the guy's having – literally, Nick's having a crap out there. And I'm, like, going, no, man, you don't do that. It's not fair. If he's having a bad experience, go get him. So they finally went down there and got him. And then as payback, you know <laughs> – Zach comes upstairs and uh, like 10 minutes later and stumbles out of the house, like takes two steps down the steps to the entrance of the house, hits the concrete pavement, takes a step and tumbles to the ground.
0: So he was literally mentally wore out. He was exhausted from that. That was something that, you know, he was, it was going to take him a little bit of time to recover.
2: Oh, something something didn't like him is what it really was. And I don't blame them, and I have total respect for spirits, because unlike the BS and the malarkey that people say, oh, ghosts are, are lying to you and they're demons and this and that, they don't have a reason to lie. Let's get this straight. Lying has to do with ego. Ego has to do with human beings. Goes to the farthest things from human beings you can possibly get. So sort to of project this cracker statement that, Oh, they're lying to you. Really? They want to lie to you? Really? Stop projecting. That's more of your insecurity than it is about the spirits and what they're up to. And it was like, they didn't like him. I'll tell you, they really didn't like him from the get-go because, when, as I said, he stumbled out, of the, he came, came outside, stumbled, and he fell down, and that was not Aaron or Nick, that was Zach. And I ran up to him. There were no cameras there. And I was the first one on the scene. And I said, Zach, you okay? And he's looking at me, his eyes are rolling around in his head, and he's mumbling, he goes, I don't feel good. Oh my god, I don't feel oh my god, my head. Oh my And how long god. was this
0: into the investigation?
2: About uh, two hours. That's it? Yeah. Oh yeah. He they didn't they hated his guts put it this way they were here for four days and i say they i mean the company the 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 production team so they the uh the let me remember they were first night first day they were here was interviews with me a walkthrough of the house getting the familiarities then they did interviews the second day with other people and i forgot they did um some b-roll another night uh, the last night they did the B roll, and that's when they did all the shooting of the girl dressed up like Sharon Tate. You know, the one who's walking up the driveway covered in right. blood, the pregnancy, and the white nightgown, right. which is a stone clock of shit story. But they went with it, and I told them not to because I didn't put any faith in that story whatsoever for a multitude of reasons, which I'll get to. But so they shot that was Thursday, that was Wednesday night, and Thursday night was the last night they shot. So on Wednesday night when they're shooting this girl walking up the street with a pregnancy, I'm outside on, my, on the side of the house on the stairs, and I'm taking pictures of her. And I go onto the street, and I start taking pictures of her as they shoot as she's walking up the driveway covered in blood with the pregnancy clutching her stomach. And in one of the pictures, there is a white light. And it's pouring coming from behind her or from her stomach, and it's coming out. Now, here's the trick. The lights were in front of her because it was dark behind her. Right. So you illuminate her from the front, and she's there. She has nothing on that's reflective. She's wearing a a crappy old nylon white nightgown, and it's white, and she's clutching her stomach that's got a prosthetic balloon under it to look like she's pregnant, and she's covered in blood. I have all the other pictures leading up to that picture. In only one picture, you've got this brilliant light coming from her stomach. And as I'm sitting there taking these pictures, I started feeling like, you know, I just felt like, ooh, icky. Like, anger and animosity and hatred and um, uh, negative. Not negative, but just hatred. Wow. And I almost could swear... That I heard voices saying we're gonna get them and it was like a collective it wasn't one singular it was from like a group plural like a group right. collective that said oh no you have crossed the freaking line you son of a you son of a basically guy, for know,
0: making what? basically for for making this uh this reenactment case. which you know wasn't on the which wasn't you know on as far as you know it didn't really happen. They were it's upset over that, of course.
2: Provocation and igni- indignation and slap in the face and f you, stick poke you in the eye kind of gestures. What I right exactly from, from the spirits that were here that were specifically tied into the to the victims that were you know of the murders. Out of disrespect to Sharon it, it is what it was. It was like you disrespected Sharon. Well, I got news for you. You're in for a comeuppance that's been long in coming, and you are going to pay with your little fannies, and your asses are going to be tanned, blood red, and you're never going to forget this night ever again. How dare you insult us and in our memory and Sharon's memory in such so many terms? And um, so, so they, so that's what I so I told them. Here's the story behind that in inat- the enactment. The producers uh, floated it by me and said, What do you think of this? You know, it was a reenactment. I said, Well, I said, what, What's this? And it goes, Oh, this girl, Drake Fordham, says that she was up and she wanted to to your house. And I said, oh, What? I said, Drake Fordham. I said, Oh, God. I said, I remember her getting a call from her several months ago. And then she that she wanted to come up here. And it was like six months ago. And then all of a sudden, she just vanished. And, oh, she said that she was here a number of years ago with a paranormal investigative team. And I didn't remember her out of the hundred, the hundred other different people that had been here through the years at the time. And I was like, oh, you know, yeah, okay. And these, these weren't people who were paying any money. These were people that I invited in free of charge to say, investigate my house and tell me what the hell is going on here. So I was asking all these different groups to come in just to, to investigate away and to see what they were coming up with. Because I figured, hey, if you cast a big enough net, you're going to catch something. And allowing it to say, no, you and not you, was stupid. I said, look, whatever you guys, if you guys are legitimate and you pass the mustard, and I you know, go through the, the, you go through the chain of command and I see who the guy, these guys are credible and they're real and they're good, fine, let them come in and investigate. So we had like 50 different teams that had been here through that time period. And I didn't remember her out of all the rest of the people that have been here. She didn't like leave an indelible mark in my brain of going, oh, yeah, I remember you. So I don't remember her from Adam except she called me six months earlier and she said she wanted to come here, and then she disappeared. Later to find out, they said, oh, she came up with her mom, just to, drove up here to show her mom the area and where Shans was killed, and she says, and the story goes, She drove up the driveway like 10 feet into the driveway and stopped because she saw the apparition of Sharon Tate in a white nightgown, pregnant, covered in blood, clutching her pregnancy as she was walking up. She like was walking up. I couldn't tell. I don't remember. If she said she was walking down the driveway or walking up the driveway, but that she saw her. And I was like. This is the first time I've ever heard this story. I said, What? And he was like, so what do you think? And I was like, what do I think? I said, A, I don't remember her from much except what she, you know, that she was gonna come up here and then dropped off the face of the earth. Um, I remember her story. I said I don't remember her that she was with a group. I don't remember her telling me anything about this. I don't know anything about this. I said, Personally, I don't buy it. I don't get it. I said, why would Sharon appear any differently than Jay appeared when he appeared to me a few years earlier? Why would Sharon ten years earlier? I said, why would Sharon appear to somebody in the way that she died, which is stereotypically the mythology of mythology about the paranormal, quote unquote? You will return the you know the way you die is the way you will return. So be careful what you wear when you start. Yeah, very theatrical.
0: Yeah, just all theatrical and and making it sound like it was, you know, like super, super scary.
2: Well, she made it sound like it was right out of a goddamn horror film is what she made it sound like. She didn't make it sound like it was real because I've got, like I said in my joke statement earlier about, you know, how you die, you know, you're going to be condemned to death to come back the way you died. No. Only say that because I think that's a cruel and inhumane and an insensitive um, crack at eternal an eternal blight. You know, God, you know, (laughs) you're gonna come back from your sod, You were in half by a gosh darn magician and an accidental goof where the goddamn saw malfunction, actually sawed you in half. Or like you were were
0: talking about earlier, you know, coming back after getting going through a wood chipper.
2: exactly you got her legs on this side you got her torso on this side it's like really no, no 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 that's not how it works I don't think from what I've seen I don't believe that's how it happens somebody told me long ago that when you die your spirit will return as in your finest appearance in your life so it doesn't matter how old you were when you died That you will be the embodiment of how you were in your finest embodiment in life. And Jay did not defy that statement. He looked the epitome of that statement. He looked as good as he did when he was alive. And he didn't scare me. I didn't freak out after he vanished, after he made the third torso quarter turn towards the house, the lot next door, and then vanished. um, I got up. I mean, I got out of bed and I spent the next hour and a half looking around, you know, thinking to myself, I got, you know, went upstairs, I got myself a little shot of something like red ball, some some type of whiskey or something. And I sat there at tequila and I said, OK, what was that all about? It didn't freak me out. I was curious as all hell to say, OK, you've given me a puzzle, like a pantomime skit. Didn't say a word. But he did some actions that I'm supposed to ascertain or come up with a, some kind of an understanding of what it was he was trying to communicate without speaking. It was nonverbal verbal communication at its best. And what it later turns out was that he was forewarning me about the house next door being built. So I didn't freak out. But my mom was dying of cancer at the time. So I thought that she was di- had died and an emissary spirit and came there to say, hey. Telling your mom's died, when you wake up in the morning, you're going to find out she's passed. Or that my girlfriend at the time, who was a flight attendant with American Airlines, was um, flying the European route, that she was hurt or killed. So I thought it was, I didn't know what it was until three days later I heard from her and she was fine. The following day, my mom called, I called my mom and she was fine.
0: Hmm. That's an incredible story, though. I mean, and for. For him to show up like that right there at the end of your bed, I mean you never found out what exactly it was that he was after or what he wanted to maybe tell you. That the house
2: next that the house next door in the future was gonna be built and oh. Well, this is what's kick kicker of all. Um two incidents that took place related to that property next door. During the construction in about I'd say the year was probably about two thousand and twelve. Maybe thirteen when they had, when the crews were working on the house. I told them that some of the labors that were Latin about my house and my hauntings and stuff. About a week after I told them the story, they came up to me when I drove up into the, drove into my my you know garage that they had an incident that freaked them out. I said, "What happened?" They said, "Well, it's lunchtime a couple days ago, and um, we're on the side of the hill." You know we're on. You know we're having lunch, and we've got a two and a half gallon igloo um, water container, water dispenser on this on the slope of the driveway going down the slope. I said, "Yeah." I said, "Right near the tree, under the shade of the tree." He's like, "Oh, I know what you were saying." He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "We watched the th- three quarter full jug fall up the driveway."
0: Fall I up.
2: Said, what? He said, it didn't, it was three quarters full, and you know, it was on the slopes, it was facing down the hill, a little bit of an angle, and it, on its own, tilted up the driveway and basically toppled over all the water in front of around 13 guys.
0: You know, it's just the amount of activity that goes on over there, it's just incredible, David. I mean, it, there has to be something to it and and like you said it's it may be the electromagnetic activity that's taking place there that that's drawn it all in but I mean that is just like a paranormal hot spot
2: Well I was I I said I said I oh, said oh, I guess I guess they, I guess they like you and they go no 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 see and they it's all about perception point of view what your reference point is you've heard If you shift your perception by a few degrees to the left or to the right, you change your whole view of what just took place. And in so doing, it's my belief that in my life, in living here, that where everybody freaks out and stuff, I'm not bothered by it, I'm not scared, I'm more curious. And I take a curiosity bend towards the activity than a fearful bend, which means In my experiences here, I've created a dynamic or a theory or an application that there's only three ways that you can respond to any given situation. I don't care if it's a charging bull, charging, I mean, a dog coming to bite you, or a ghost, or somebody, or an attacker. Any situation, there are three different responses. There's the stupid response, example. Uh, you got to you. are you, out in the desert, and you see an animal, and you don't know if it's if it's 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 a lizard. You don't know if it's poisonous or whatnot. Super response is to go up to him and just start poking around, putting your hand there and going, "What's that? Let huh? let let me touch that. Let me find out if it's dangerous." Okay. Here's the and then the second response is the fearful response. Oh my God! What the flying fuck? What is that? oh my god give me a stick. give me a goddamn gun give me something to kill it oh my god I killed it what it was the last of its kind
5: it's, it's of a stick.
2: I just killed a goddamn species of the rarest form of dinosaurs ever oh my god what an idiot then there's a third response it's called the curiosity response You resp- I, 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 I see this animal I come up to it and go Okay, uh, I'm going to keep a safe distance because I don't know what it, if it's going to attack me, if it's dangerous, if, if it's poisonous, if it's got, um, if, it's a pred- if, it's, if it's a carnivorous animal, if it's a herbivorous, herbivorous animal, if it's a uh, vegetarian, I don't know. I'm going to just take a second to kind of get some bearings about this animal let's, let's kind of like kind of figure out the situation okay um, I gotta give it respect and respect its distance because if I get too close and it feels that I'm threatening it by approaching it too closely, it's going to naturally according to what I understand in the response is attack me because it's afraid fate I'm attacking it. So I'm gonna just be very nonchalant and just lay back and take it all in and watch it and try to like figure it out and get my, my wits about me and meaning I'm gonna stay rational and calm so I can keep my wits about me, because once I go to fear, all rational thought is gone, and I have gone to fight-or-flight response. If I keep calm and curious, I can react accordingly with a cool sense of composure, and I can say, okay, it's starting to get a little bit ag... It looks like gang aggressive. Okay, I think I'll slowly move away from it so it doesn't start to feel like I'm now prey versus just a curious being, and I'm going to keep my head straight up and my posture straight, but I'm going to back up slowly so I don't alarm it.
1: So what have you learned so far?
2: As far as the paranormal is concerned, um, that a lot of the stuff that we've been taught and that we've learned through films, through television, through books, is a lot of theoretical theory that is not based on anything but a perception of a situation that... That person was led to believe because of his upbringing, either by his de facto ability to de- defer to his religious experiences and dogma that he was, as you say, um, raised with and indoctrinated in, in, with and believed in and held so tightly that he believed that there was heaven and hell and this is demons, and because an object was knocked over, he said, that's a demon. And I've had the experience with Chris Fleming here, Um, famously enough, when he was here about five, six years ago, where we were doing an investigation, and Chris and I decided to do EVP sessions where we would basically do a question, record it. We had a cameraman videoing it. He'd then wait 30 seconds and then play it right back on camera. And I said, I don't want this to look rigged, so let's do the question and answer all in one fell swoop on camera with a time code so no one can claim that we have manipulated any of the footage. Chris asks a question. 30 seconds later, we play it back. It's all being recorded. Spirit voice says, F you, and clears the bell with no spirit box. Rogerless says, F you and die and get out of the house. Wow. Woman listening to this says, Oh my god, it's a demon. <laughs> and I got, I got right. grabbed by a spirit saying, Tell her she's off the mark. And it was like, wait, lady, 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 I said, stop. I said, you've just heard a spirit communicate to Chris. Would it made a difference had I been the one saying that to Chris and you had been in the essence doing what you're doing now, which is eavesdropping? on a conversation between me and Chris, and I said that to Chris, would you call me a demon? She goes, no, i call you an a-hole. <laughs> I said, yeah. <laughs> I said, yes, but in the point of reference, you don't know why I'm saying that to Chris, do you? And she goes, no, I said, exactly. So from your perspective, you think because I'm calling him that, or the spirit is calling him that, that you are now projecting your belief that I am an a-hole or, he, or the spirit's a, a demon because he doesn't like that person but you don't know the context and reason why it's said. And she said, oh God, you're right. I said, yeah, I said, maybe the spirit knows Chris, because Chris has been here many times through the years, with Ghost Hunters first, then he came back a few years later on 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 an impromptu visit, then he came back again for another investigation. So, and spent the night here. So, I mean, I said, You don't know. I said, The spirit's no Chris. So, it might be something personal and you're eavesdropping. So, present that in your perception of what you hear and what you project onto as personal or a spirit about being an a hole or a demon, because you don't know. And she said, Oh my God, you you got a point there. And later on, I found out what the spirit was talking about and it made sense to me. And I said, Oh, because you guys know what's going to happen in the future, therefore, you were protective of me to say that damn in hopes that I would hear it and he would hear it, and he wouldn't spend the night. I said, okay, I got the picture. Later on, it all became clear to me as to what it was all about. But that's neither here nor there. That was something between me and Chris. It was no big deal. But in the spirit's eyes, it was something that they weren't <coughs> talking about. So, again, I don't believe in the, the demons and the devils, I think it's it's all just the energies of personalities of those who have come before us who are now hanging around on the earth visiting their old hangouts presently.
0: Well, we've got to take our last and final break. We're just a little bit over over here, but we got to get this thing done. So we're going to take our final break. We're going to be back with David Omen from the Omen House where the Sharon Tate murders took place within 150 feet and all the hauntings that are taking place. David, we're loving this, man, and nobody go anywhere because it's only going to get better. So stick around for the last half of the show.
3: days that the red pill is bitter in my stomach but i can't get it back out i think because i have to i speak because i have no choice i walk through this dark age we're in with open eyes listen to open eyes on latenightinthemidlands.com and together maybe we won't stumble and fall The LNM Radio Network offers a chat room for you, the listener, to connect with others who are interested in the topics and guests that the LNM Radio Network brings to you. During the live shows, the hosts will even visit the chat room and chat with you, the listener. Click on the big red Chat and Listen button at the top of the website and join us, no subscription is needed, at either LNMRadioNetwork.com or LateNightInTheMidlands.com.
6: Why subscribe to Late Night in the Midlands, you ask? Well, I'll tell you why. Late Night in the Midlands covers everything, and through the thousands of expert guests who have joined Michael Vera on his show come pieces of the big puzzle, which started many years ago. Michael and his guests reveal information dating back to the beginning of time. To this very moment, Michael Vera not only brings you the best guests with the best information, but Michael is not afraid to call out those who are less than honest. You see, in this day and age, we need a radio show we can count on and a radio host we can trust to expose the truth one show at a time. So, become a late-nighter and subscribe now. Talk radio like no other. Late Night in the Midlands. Bringing the truth back to talk radio.
4: Do you need toner for your Epson, Hewlett-Packard, Canon, Brother, Apple, or Sharp printers? Look no further than Laser Technologies. In business for over 20 years, they offer the lowest prices on toner on the web. They can also repair your laser printers and toners fast and easy. Call their expert staff today at 561-792-9600 or email us at service at laser-technologies.com for all your toner needs. All toner is shipped nationwide. Why wait? Get the lowest prices on Toner, call or email us today. There is a better radio show, beyond that which is known to the people. It is a radio show more informative than others and as timeless as infinity. It is the equilibrium between light and dark, between the sheeple and the paranormal, and it is heard at the base of man's ignorance and at the summit of his knowledge. This is the radio show of imagination, a show we call The Secret Teachings.
0: Live again with David Omen from the Omen House, 150 feet from Sharon Tate's, or the old Manson murder home, and we have been talking about all the incredible hauntings that he has had there in his home since the home was built by him and his father. And this home has been investigated by ghost hunters, ghost adventures, and many others. Been on many TV shows. Probably one of the most haunted houses in all North America. So, David, uh, yeah. appreciate having you back over here with Paranormal Analytical. And this is the last half of the show, so I want you to get into some other things that are crazy things that have actually taken place there in your home. Sure. And uh, sure. tell everybody also, I want everybody to know where they can go if they want to watch some video clips of your home as well and uh, see some of the things. So send them to your site. You know, put all that out there. That way everybody knows where they can go check out some of this great stuff.
2: Well... I have a channel at YouTube, youtube youtube.com forward slash David Oman, O-M-A-N. And um, there's like 130 videos on the uh, channel. Uh, You'll see some of the most amazing bits of paranormal activity that is 100% real. Um, There was a 10-pound butcher block that actually spun off a television set on its own that had been sitting there literally for about six months untouched minding its own business Um, three quarters of it was sitting on top of the, uh, the television set, this guy goes in there, it's on my YouTube channel it's called Mike and the Butcher Block he was going to shut the door in the earthen wall room and the Butcher Block was caught on video on its own spinning rotating off the television, and onto the ground on its own.
0: Wow. And when this That's happened, true. what was...
2: No, let me just say something. That's one video that was captured in that room. Um, we also have another video that a kid was in there and a bottle of wine came out of the wine rack on its own and flopped onto the ground. In the same room on that same night with the wine bottle, one uh, we caught a Class A EVP on the camera down there that said, "Shut the door, shut the door, Mister," and it wasn't like wah 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 It was, "Shut the door, shut the door, Mister," just like that. Um, in the bedroom that's right adjacent to the earth and Wild room on the other side, um, they've captured where you were talking about that woman screaming, and I'll get back to that. In that room that had Nick's experience, that you talk about that woman, that incident was freaked me out. And I asked her, I said, What, what happened? I said, Do you want to leave? I said, Are you okay? And she goes, There was a man yelling in my ear. I said, Yeah. And she goes, so what did you do? And she goes. I decided to yell back at him.
0: Oh, god. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I nearly trapped in my pants, dying of laughter. And I thought to myself, I said, "Look, do you want to leave? Are you, do you want to continue on the, the investigation?" And she goes, "Well, my two daughters are, are having the time of their life." She goes, "I'm not going anywhere because I'm staying till three in the morning." And I said, "I want to continue on the investigation and have more fun." Because I'm having the time of my life, and I'm like, I shook my head, I, my eyes popped, and said, "Are you serious?" She goes, "Oh, I'm having." Are you kidding me? Because this is great. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me ask you, David. And has... I'm like, I'm like you. I'm like, going, "Lady, are you okay?" I mean, are you, all right? are you all right? I'm the first one on up to her, holding her up, and saying, "Are you okay, miss?" And there's a couple of women in there, and they're going like. There's some strange energy in that doorway, they said. <laughs> and the woman, if you watch the video, rewatch it, she walks into the doorway, into there, and she walks back out. I saw and that. To the right. And then she goes back and she walks into the doorway, and she doesn't go past through the door into the theater room. She then backs out and she goes to the left. And then she seems to be like pushed up against the mirror. And then starts saying,
0: "Yeah, that's what you run in to see what's going on."
2: And I'm like, "Well, I'm literally four feet away from her when it's I'm talking to somebody else when it happens." And I'm like, "What the, what the, what the, you know?" Um, In that room, my 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 key grip for my movie house at the end of the drive was dragged up towards the ceiling in the corner of the in the corner of that room by an unseen force, and the spirit said, you're coming with us, and then dragged him up. But as I later figured it out, it wasn't going to take him anywhere because, A, he is physical, and the room is physical. It was basically trying to scare the shit out of him because, as he said to me, and I later concluded, he was a complete skeptic of the paranormal. Paranormal. And I can only tell you that I have had countless people who have come to this house that have said, I don't believe in ghosts. And it's almost like the spirits say, Excuse me, you don't believe in what?
0: It's like let's give you a little taste.
2: We we don't exist. Do you mean to tell me that I don't have any place in the universe as a ghost in your understanding of the properties of the universe masters of the universe god almighty that are you really you think that you know better than well i got news for you you think you know you know nothing is what you know and i'm here to show you just how little you know so you're about to get a spanking upside your ass <laughs> you're and you're gonna learn that bullshit walks and the truth is you're gonna run
0: let me ask you, David. Has anybody ever used a Kinect or any type of three D or or a three sixty camera in your home?
2: Um, is the Kinect the one that is basically the device, the eye, uh, the thermal, the eye imaging device from a Wii Mac, The Wii? Um,
0: it, it's the Xbox. Kinect
2: yeah, it's from the Xbox. Xbox. Mm-hmm. It connects to a a screen because Chris Fleming came out here five years ago with the prototype of that and it was about an 8-inch screen. He, it was raw, and it was pretty rough type of device, but he basically explained to me that they've taken the visual component, optical component from the Wii device that uses, that projects, that looks and scans and takes your thermal energy and it converts it into a stick figure so that that's how it basically converts your image into, so you can play tennis with the stupid uh, you know, device. Right, exactly. Reads your body, and it then converts it to a three to an image, a stick figure image in the computer, and it basically makes you part of the the game. Yep. Yeah. Chris brought that. Um, Nick Groff brought that uh, uh, two years ago, as a matter of fact. Here, um, I, I've seen it. I I I I was blown away by it five years ago when Chris brought it, and I was fascinated. I've had other people bring it, and they've captured stuff here. And you know. Um, I like it in theory. I just, uh, I mean, I just don't know. I mean, I know it's a lot of money is what I know. What about it's 360 like cameras? Normal field.
0: What about a 360 camera that kind of records everywhere at once? Uh,
2: no, I don't think you've had the
0: 360 camera in. Or, so or, and or filming. filming
2: is more like they want to do it for profit's sake.
0: Well, one of the things that we're experimenting with also is uh, filming in with uh, 3D multi-spectrum cameras. Wow. So, it, it adds a whole new look to the game. And I was just wondering if uh, you've thought of or if anybody's uh, thought of using any of that at your home.
2: No, I'm all up for it. I mean, you got to remember, I I'm not... Per se a paranormal investigator, I consider myself the Larry David of the paranormal field. In his show, <laughs> enthusiasm.
1: Hey, do I you have any uh, any UFO activity around your house? You ever you ever look up when you're outside and see anything?
2: Right. Do I ever look up when I'm outside? Yeah. Well, yeah, you I know, know that's,
1: most people see, don't look up when they're outside.
2: I see I see lots of helicopters, really lots of helicopters flying by, and in some cases. I've seen the Black Ops black helicopter here 14 years ago flying around 50 feet at a balcony level from my house. So, yeah, I've seen helicopters, and I've seen, I've seen stuff. But, no, I've not seen any type of um, UFOs or anything like that, no.
1: Okay. Usually uh, usually when you have a hotspot, you have a hotspot or something else, too, so they kind of intermingle with each other. Any other anything other than ghosts you have in the house? Uh,
6: dogs, cats, fish. Yeah,
0: I think I think he was more or less asking you know if you've had any other type of uh, activities that might have taken place that you know could or could not have been uh, haunting type related incidents.
2: Well, he, remember, nobody again, nobody died in this house as it sits, and this is the first house that's ever been here. The story goes, and forget what what Zach. Crackerhead said about the house being built on native ceremonial burial grounds. That is a 100% dog shit lie. That is pure poop. I don't care if it came from a camel or a cow or a blue whale. I love you poop. Okay. The house is not, the story goes this way. And I told this to, to Mr. Bozo. this, that, um, Lisa Williams came to the house shortly after Ghost Hunters aired some 12 years ago, about. I think it was 2006. And she called, and she got in touch with me. She goes, I want to see your house. I said, who is this? She goes, it's Lisa Williams. And it's like, how'd you get my number? She said to me, it's like, oh, okay. Well, she wanted to see the house, and I said, fine, you can if you just don't bring your camera crew. So she came in the house, and she was the first person who was gifted and well-known who said to me you have, that you have a big party in your bar. And I'm, like, looking in the bar from, like, 40 feet away going, yeah? And she goes, yeah, I don't see anything. And she goes, no, no. She goes, Sharon, Sharon Tate's there, Jay Sebring's there, there's Rudolph Valentino, whose house is across the canyon, and some Native Americans. And I'm like, I still don't see them. And she said, well, I can, and they're telling me to tell you that they really appreciate you letting them hang out here at your house and I said uh, excuse me I said, well, I said I've seen the sh- pictures of Sharon Tate and the way they were all killed so as far as they're concerned I said far be it for me to add insult to injury I don't want to make their afterlife hell I said and the same for the rest of them I don't know what their reason or their story is for being here but again I have no axe to grind with them they don't bother me they don't infringe upon my life it's live and let live, and we all get along fine, so I don't have a problem with it. I did say to her, though, um, that uh, I felt sorry for them, and I said, furthermore, I said, when I die, I don't want to end up on the other side for eternity and have them look at me saying, hey, there's that son of a bitch David Oman. That <laughs> you know, a out of this goddamn house. That son of a bitch was such an ingrate. He kicked us out when we had nothing to lose and nowhere to stay. And now we have him to kick around for a you
0: Hey, you could, you could have... <laughs> hey, David.
2: And I said to her, and she looked at me and she goes, well, that's why they like you and appreciate you. Because you're so, you know, conscientious of their, well, of their situation. Well, I said, no, no, I, I get it. I said, I'm fine. So she, later on that day, went down to the third level to the earthen ballroom, and she said to me, she goes, points up to the Mound of Earth on um, in the upper corner, and she goes, do you know there's an upper left-hand corner? She goes, do you know there's a big, there's a Native American there, and he's on horseback, and he wants you to know that he's here. And I'm like, and that his remains are interred in this Mound of Earth here under the house. I'm like, well, huh? And she goes, well, he, he said that he was riding his horse, and his horse lot on the horse trail, which is now the driveway, that led to the end of the driveway, which, was a, which is basically the hill... The plateau that looked down upon the canyon, so it had a great view of what was coming up the canyons, so it was a great a- vantage point for them. So I said, "Okay," and she said, "He, his horse slipped and fell down the side of the hill, and as it did, it rolled over him, and it broke its neck and died, and broke his body and back, and it, and he died, and the remains were there, some sixty feet down the hillside, stopped by a tree." Well, there happens to be a tree trunk that's still under the gosh in the earthen and and room that you can see there that's a couple hundred years old because we cut it down to build the house. So the odds are that that possibly is where his remains were left and were covered through mudslides. Zach took that story and embellished it and made it into the drama-filled crock of crap that he said about the house being built on Native ceremonial burial grounds, which is 100% poo-poo bullshit.
0: Well, just think, when you pass away, you might have Zach looking for you.
2: Yeah. You'll <laughs> <laughs> be, be knee-deep in those that on the other side that took the opposite tact that I took when Lisa Williams said... They appreciate you and you're. They like you, got that? You <laughs> take that, what you will, because I, I, that news. You, if anyone has provoked and pissed off people that are no longer alive, that sob, from what I understand, from what his experience here was for three hours, was his comeuppance into a real haunted house where no one had died. However, the spirits that were around him in collection hit this environment as I've said before, and they jumped off. And they loved the CMF levels and basically took it out on him. Because three days after, the whole three of them were sick for three full days after they left this house and were bedridden. I would. I called the following day and I got the bo- report they were sick. I called them uh, Sunday. They were still sick and they were still sick Monday. And they wow. didn't get better than Tuesday.
0: But I would pay money to see what would come across a spirit box if he was trying to contact you.
2: Here we don't need spirit boxes.
0: Spirit, <laughs> like, oh, he, but but David, boxes. he does. He needs a spirit box.
2: I need a spirit box. I'm <laughs> death <duck> bagging. <laughs> By the way, you know he had a had a me- mental meltdown here at the house. If you watch the episode where the um where he was in the uh, den. And the figurine got knocked over, and ten seconds later, Jay Waz is on the walkie-talkie with him and Aaron, Nick, him and Nick that are in there, and he says, "Guys, guys, did you did you hear that? Did you see that?" And Zach famously goes, "What?" He goes, "Jay goes, the, the Smokey Man just got knocked over ten feet away from you guys. You didn't hear it?" What? What? And Nick's like,
5: "Ghost."
2: It's <laughs> is, <laughs> 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 it happened <laughs> ten seconds after <laughs> he found <laughs> he finds out ten seconds after it took place. He didn't hear it when it took place. He's ten feet away from it, and when he finally finds out it take had taken place, he flips his lid and has the crack Krakatoa meltdowns on camera.
0: Oh jeez.
2: <laughs> you're an, you're an experienced professional ghost hunter man. I might do an Andrew Dice play. What the hell is the matter with you? You, <laughs> well, you think that scared the hell out of you? What? You didn't see it. You didn't hear it. But you found out about it ten seconds after it fucking happened. Are you for fucking real? <laughs> you are got to be... Me.
0: Well, David, oh. I, I, David, I hate to cut you out, brother, but we've got about uh, 30 seconds left, so I'd like for you to go ahead and tell everybody where they can go to watch all the videos for one last time, uh, send them some web addresses, and, you know, hey, man, you've been great on the show. We appreciate you being out here with us.
2: My pleasure, and the op- offer's open to come out and visit. Absolutely,
0: and we will take you up on it, I promise you.
2: Please do. I think you guys will have a hoot and a half out here. Um, go, if you want to see videos that's shot at the house, it is youtube.com forward slash David Omen, O M A N. And you can also go to o- uh, OmenHouse.com. That's right. Oh, that's, well, the, yeah, OmenHouse.com and also House at the End of the Drive.com, which is the feature film that I made about. My Crazy Story Here, and I'm writing a book about it, and hopefully the two of them will conjoin in getting out theatrically and into bookstores near you with both of those.
0: Awesome, David. We appreciate it very much, my brother. Thank you so much for being on the show with us. Everybody, you know, we've got David Oman from the Omen House, and you know, hey, he did a great job tonight, and we thank everybody for uh, hanging out with us and listening to the stories. And next week, just to let you know, we're going to have David Weatherly on the show. And he wrote the book on wood knocks for Bigfoot and also on the black eyed kids. So we're going to be hearing about that next week. So anyway, y'all take care. Appreciate it. Once again, this is Eddie Hill with Paranormal Analytical. We've got Miguel Cantu, our director and producer, and Renee Rodriguez, my co-host. David Weatherly and uh, David Oman. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for being with us, brother.
2: Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. A hoot and a half. Have me on anytime, please.
0: Will do. Absolutely. Thank you.